Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. This is the Engaging Missions Show, Episode 233. This week, we're talking with Cole and Kristen Malfris about planning, preparation, and more. We have a plan. I can guarantee that it involves a lot of prayer, fasting, and sharing the gospel. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks for stopping by and welcome to the show. We believe that every missionary and church planner deserves to be heard and loved and that every single believer deserves the opportunity to participate in what God is doing. This show is made possible in part by generous support from people like you. Visit engagingmissions.com slash patron to learn more about how you can be involved. This week, we're going to be talking about calling, preparation, and we're going to have a reminder about the the idea of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And I think it's a really valuable reminder. It spoke to me, and I, I really believe that it might speak to you as well. We're also going to have an update from a guest that we haven't heard from in about three years, and she's going to have an opportunity for you to be involved in something that they have going on. I'm going to offer that to you as well. And then I'm also going to have some thoughts from a recent chess tournament. These might be something that are valuable to you. I'd like to say welcome to Casey Tori, Bethany, Gill, and Howard, who all recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. If you haven't done that already and you'd like to, visit engagingmissions.com and just click on the Facebook icon. That'll take you right to where you need to go so you can connect with us there as well. In fact, engagingmissions.com is the place to go to connect. You'll have links for Facebook, Twitter, you'll have recent episodes of the Engaging Missions show, as well as ways to connect with me personally if you'd like to do that, engagingmissions.com. And also I'd like to say thanks to those of you who are sharing this show with others, whether you're doing it by social media or by email or by word of mouth, what you're doing, I really believe that what you're doing makes a difference for us, and I believe that it also makes an eternal difference for the people that you share this show with as well. As for this week's episode, if you feel like God might be calling you to a transition or you know somebody who God is calling to a transition, I think you're going to find something really valuable in what Cole and Kristen are sharing. All right, today I am incredibly happy to have with me Cole and Kristen Malfris. They are currently in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. They're involved with the No Place Left Church Planting Missionary Group, and they're feeling now called to Central America, where they're planning to mobilize Central America by the end of the year. So, Cole and Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Oh, this is this is totally my pleasure. Now, one of the things, a lot of times I like to kind of kick things off and get to know our guests a little bit, and we'll get to that in a second. But as I was preparing for this, one of the things that really just kind of stood out to me was the question, if you could kind of reach through the microphone and through headphones right now and share just one thing with us, what would that be? Absolutely. I, I've thought a lot about this question, 
And the one thing that keeps coming to mind is that there are a ton of people that are dying and going to hell in our own neighborhoods, our cities, our countries, wherever we might be. And the Lord of all the universe has given us his power and his presence to go and make disciples. And that's something that we just have to cling to. And if from our conversation, everyone gets one thing, that's it. Mm. One of the things that was going through my head as you were sharing this is, you know, it can be so easy to get busy with stuff and to be walking by the very people that you're talking about and not really see the needs. How would you how would you coach us if you could coach us right now to begin seeing the needs? What would what would you begin asking us to do? Absolutely. I think the first part of addressing a problem is knowing that there is a problem. Mm. I grew up in the Bible Belt of South Carolina, and I always assumed that everyone around me knew Jesus. And while a lot of people knew of Jesus, most of them didn't have a relationship with him. And so taking a little bit of time and looking and really seeing what are the brutal facts for my area, how many lost people really are here. And once we start to see those numbers, they, they stick with you and you can't get them out of your head. And that's the first part of having a heart that's truly broken over lostness. And if that doesn't break our hearts, it's time to go into closet and hit our knees until it does break our hearts. Wow, that that's good. You you mentioned growing up in sort of the Bible Belt of South Carolina, and that just kind of piques my interest. I'm wondering, would would you mind sharing with us th- your backstory, how it was that you came to Christ, how God brought you to Himself? Absolutely. So I was extremely blessed to grow up in a family where my grandparents, my parents, my aunts and uncles, my cousins. We're all very strong believers. And so as long as I can remember, we were involved in the church. And my parents spent an incredible amount of time investing in our spiritual development. And so when I was in elementary school, my dad actually led me to the Lord in my bedroom. Mm. And from there, I was discipled really by him and my mom and my grandparents. And even my aunts and uncles played a big role in investing in me all the way growing up. So I I was truly blessed in the family that I grew up in. And did you grow up also with an understanding of the, the lostness around you? So my parents did a very good job of making sure that we were uncomfortable everywhere we went because <laughs> made a point of sharing the gospel with people. My mom had a very, very special way of embarrassing us with this, and I don't think we had a great appreciation for it then. But looking back, we see that my parents truly had a heart for lostness, e- even though I don't think any of us realized how lost the area was Mm. that we grew up. Yeah. Well, how about you, Kristen? What's your story? Well, I grew up in South Georgia. And so I was in the Bible Belt as well. Mm. 
And I grew up in a church that was very focused on missions and sort of very similar to Cole, like my my mother and my father are both believers. And I was constantly surrounded by by the church, really. And while I was aware of lostness, I wasn't really sure how to engage with it mm. or how to really share my story with the people that I actually knew. And so I was heavily involved in my youth group and I led worship. I did all the, those things. And then my 10th grade year, I went on a mission trip. Might have been my junior year. And we went to Haiti. And part of that was going throughout the communities and the tent, tent huts and sharing the gospel with the people that were there. And that was really probably one of my first experiences with just sharing the gospel one-on-one in that type of capacity. And I was really blessed with a youth group and a youth pastor that really enforced sharing the, sharing the gospel and teaching us how to do that. But it's a little different for overseas versus in your own community because it's so much easier just to invite them to church instead of actually sharing with them the message of Jesus. And so I had to transition into that. And then after, after going on those mission trips, I really felt God calling me into missions. But I really didn't realize, didn't realize what that would look like. I just thought Haiti was it for me. And so God just shut that door entirely. And from there, I, I became truly angry with God. And it caused like a really big, big break in our relationship almost. It was just, I was just angry at him. And then about two years later, I meet Cole. And really and truly, Cole showed me how missions can occur wherever you're at. Because lost people are everywhere. It's just a matter of actually knowing how to engage them. And so for me... Just since meeting Cole, I think my relationship with God has gotten grown closer. I'm not sure if I truly answered the question in its capacity, but but yeah, so that's me and Jesus. That's basically the story of how I knew Jesus. Like I I, I was led to him when by my mom on, sitting on the couch. Yeah, the same was. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, that, that's really you know uh, it's it's so much more than I I expected, and this is great because you, you shared that God shut the door on Haiti, and I, I is it okay if I ask what happened there? Sure. So I was planning on well, with the with the passport you get a three month visa in most Caribbean countries as well as you know South America, Central America. And so my plan was was to stay at the orphanage where I had done my we'd done the mission trips and for some reason God just seemed to shut that door. I never could find support Mm. ways that I was looking for. And God had placed two desires in my heart. One was for Haiti. And then the other one was to be a lawyer, which sounds crazy. And I truly didn't understand how that would work out. And I still don't. Mm. The desire is still there. I'm just trying to figure out what he's doing. But from there, he just shut that door to Haiti and, that's what actually got me on the track to going to a school that had a pre-law degree program. And that's ultimately how me and Cole met. And I think that was God's way of bringing me around to the bigger picture of what he wanted me to do for ministry. Not so much as the humanitarian side of it, but sharing the gospel and actually planning churches for his kingdom. So I think he just had a different intention for me. Wow, that that's that's really interesting. Thank you for taking the time to share that. I, I really appreciate you opening up because I know sometimes those things can be a little bit tough to 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 talk about. You guys are 
pretty heavily involved with No Place Left in Charlotte. That's here in the U.S. And you're planning to to head to Central America. What was it that started heading you down that path? Kind of a really long story. (laughs) So I started off in ministry bivocationally down in Florida and served there, practicing sharing the gospel and discipleship through the commands of Christ. And that's where I got my first taste of No Place Left. But then for work, I had actually moved to Costa Rica from Florida and was there for just under a year, I believe. Hmm. And while I was down there, this crazy guy that I'd met in Florida, his name's Troy Cooper, (laughs) came down and was doing a training about 30 minutes from where I was living and asked if I would come just help with the three circles. And during the course of that training, it was a one-day gospel conversation training. There was a group of guys that went out sharing the gospel there in the village and saw 20-something guys give their lives to the Lord and be baptized right there in the river Mm. immediately. And after seeing that and just through the weekend, more people turning and giving their lives to the Lord and people just boldly sharing the gospel and going straight from there into baptism and discipleship, that was it for me. I I don't think I could have (laughs) done anything else. And so I began really diving into the No Place Left Network and began traveling to a few different trainings with Troy to soak in as much as I could. And at one of those trainings in New Jersey, I met a guy named Daniel Reese, who is from Asheville, North Carolina, who was planning on breaking new ground in Charlotte with the No Place Left church planting vision and me being excited and wanting to learn as much as possible I decided to move to Charlotte with him and spend a year here learning what it looks like to start a work in a new area. And so moving up here, I knew that this was temporary. And, oh, just so you know, me and Kristen have only been married for about five months now. Oh, okay. So (laughs) so during this whole process of living in Charlotte and getting married, we— really felt the calling to go back to Central America and continue the work that's going on there. We truly believe that the field is ripe for the harvest there in Central America, and we see the need there and just have a heart for these people. Wow, that that that's great, and you, you nailed me. I was about to ask if you guys were married at the time because I wasn't quite seeing that. Now, for, for those of you that are listening and you're not familiar with the three circles, that's a really simple way to share the gospel. I'd encourage you to just quickly look it up on YouTube. It's a it's a really powerful way to do that. Now, I, I do know Cole and Kristen that with no place left, there's often a very healthy focus on discipleship, obedience, things like that. How have you seen that bear fruit or have a positive impact in people's lives? Absolutely. Most, I'm not going to say most, there's a lot of people that will not step foot in a church building, especially in the American context. Most of my friends and even some of my extended family members growing up were very familiar with the concept of church and didn't have the healthiest view of 
what what the church is and what the church should be. And some of them had really bad experiences. And so there's no way in the world you could have drugged them into a church building. Mm. But they were more than happy to sit down on a couch in a living room and learn about the things that Christ commanded us to do. And so that discipleship being one-on-one really opens the door to a lot of people that otherwise would not really have any access to learning or any biblical influence. And so one, just opening up the door to the people that won't come to a church to pursue that kind of discipleship, but also just the reality of being one-on-one and being and taking responsibility for the development of these people that you're discipling. And so we've seen maturity happen really quickly mm-hmm. as people are able to really ask questions. And a lot of times in a one-on-one setting, they don't feel the need to hold back of questions that in a group setting, they may not be willing to ask. And so for us, it's been really incredible to see people develop that way. We've actually seen people here in Charlotte that were members of a church that had so many questions, even about salvation, that they had never had an opportunity to ask anyone Hmm. until we were sitting in their living room. And so beyond the fact that Jesus commands us to make disciples, not just make converts, it's really healthy and practical in terms of development. As as you were sharing that, you know, one of the things I that I think sometimes people wonder is, you know, you're talking about some great stuff. You're talking about discipleship. You're talking about people asking questions. But for some people, this is a pretty big departure from what they're familiar with. Are there any downsides or any things that you have to watch out for when you're beginning to discipleship in this method? Absolutely. You're dealing with people, so it's incredibly messy. Mm. It's, in my experience, it's much easier to gather together a group of 20 people that are all trying to impress each other and not show any vulnerability and just teaching them what the Bible says. And you'll have a lot of people agreeing and saying amen and hugging each other and then going their separate way for an entire week. But with a true one-on-one, life-on-life type of discipleship, it is incredibly messy. You don't get away from the guy that his wife just left him. You had those conversations at two o'clock in the morning and you don't get away from the guy that just fell off the wagon with whether it's drugs or alcohol or anything else. There's no avoiding those issues. And so it's a downside in terms of it's really hard because you're really, you're really sharing your life with these people. Yeah. But it's really, I believe it's really the only way to see these people truly mature in their faith and truly come to not just know who Jesus is, but to have a relationship with him. Let's talk about that hardness for just a second, because you, you mentioned it is, it's hard. And I would imagine because you, you love the people that you're ministering to, you actually care about them. You're not just trying to, to do something for your own glory. You're actually trying to invest in their lives. How do you deal with the hard things? How do you get through those There's a lot of prayer 
and fasting that goes into every single person that we end up discipling. It's it's not a numbers game. It, yeah. It's uh, it, it's truly it's every person your your heart's burdened for them, and without prayer and fasting and direction from the Holy Spirit, and also being able to seek godly counsel from other places, hmm. because we're newlyweds and there's a lot of things that we haven't experienced. And so having other more mature believers to lean on has been crucial, but really nothing, nothing more than prayer and fasting when it comes to dealing with the hardness. There's a lot of tears in this type of discipleship. It's easy to show the highlight reel of all the great successes, but the reality is people are messy. So, so you're saying it doesn't look like my almost non-existent Instagram feed. It looks more like people that are messed up, right? Absolutely. So, so you guys are planning now to move, I think by the end of the year from Charlotte to Costa Rica, you've got, you know, you're, you're working on some, some ministry stuff right now. You're getting things set up. I'm just wondering, what do you think the first year or two might look like once you get over there? Yeah, so we... We ha- have a plan. It's all very tentative. I can guarantee that it involves a lot of prayer, fasting, and sharing the gospel. But really, the first the first year and a half is going to be very similar to what we've done here. It's the first step is prayer and fasting over these communities and over the people there. There's we're going to land in Costa Rica, and there's. 4.8 million people in Costa Rica. Hmm. And right now, 4.2 million of those are dying and going to hell. So we have to go on with that reality. But the key focus in the first couple of years is sharing the gospel and building up the disciples there locally, planning a church with them that multiplies and reproduces into other churches. Yeah. I've heard that for for a lot of people when they begin to become involved in cross-cultural ministry especially outside their home country that there can be a lot of pressure if they're being supported by financially and in prayer by people to try to not not embellish but try to focus on the positives and to try and get quick results how are you working with your partners and your supporters now to begin to prepare them for the reality that this is this is a marathon it's not a sprint absolutely i think really spending time investing in our supporters and our prayer partners. And we, we, we don't want people just supporting us financially. We, we truly want people praying for us, but also getting involved in, in the ministry in, in a real hands-on, tangible way to experience what God's doing, even in their own communities, with sharing the gospel and raising up disciples of their own. And so we, we want that higher level of involvement from our, our, our partners mm. in this ministry. And so I like to think that we're all growing together, us and our partners in ministry, but also just being okay with the fact and realizing that what the Lord's doing doesn't need any embellishment. Yeah. It's awesome enough on its own. If we're down there for years and only one or two people come to the Lord, but we were faithful in 
sharing the gospel and doing his work, that that's an incredible success. Every time we do a training with a church and we're passing on to them the tools that we have, we go out into the harvest and we're sharing the gospel with all these people. And sometimes it's hard soul, so mm-hmm. we don't see a whole fruit. And the one thing that we tell them always is that God honors obedience. So regardless of what what's going to happen when we hit the ground in Central America and Costa Rica, at the end of the day, I believe God honors obedience. And that's what we hope that our supporters understand and support us in. Wow, that, that's good. And I love the reminder that God honors obedience. I, I appreciate you guys sharing that. When you're down there, I would suspect that you're going to run into some some challenges. Do you have any plans for how you're going to get support or encouragement or somebody to bounce ideas off of while you're there? Yeah, so we're planning on bringing some support with us. Okay. <laughs> so we're in the process of raising up a team to go with us into Costa Rica. And so there, we're hoping that there will be built-in support there. But also, that's one of the things that has been the most encouraging part of being in the No Place Left network is the support. And so we'll spend time quarterly with other members of the No Place Left Network going through and encouraging us on our strategy and our personal lives and having people probing and asking, hey, are y'all spending enough time together as a couple? Hmm. Are you honoring your Sabbath? And having people ask those questions and hold us accountable in those areas also We meet weekly over Zoom with a group of other No Place Left gospel warriors that are focusing on Latin America just as a time of encouragement and growth together. Mm. And and so really maintaining that community and that accountability, as well as regular communication with our ministry partners, those who are supporting us through prayer and finances. So that's, that's our network. Okay. Now, you, you mentioned that you're raising up a team, and that was something that I didn't know before we started chatting, so I, I appreciate you sharing that. If somebody's listening right now, and they're thinking, you know, God might be calling me in this direction, what what would you have them do next? Absolutely. Seek out training in first sharing the gospel and making disciples, so we never want to detach those two. The No Place Left Network has a wide reach across the states and in many different countries. And so there's plenty of opportunities to to get training and to begin practicing at home because the mission field is at home, truly. Even here in Charlotte, we have 80,000 refugees, many of which haven't heard the gospel. So the, the nations are here too. And so beginning in our own Jerusalem, and our own Judea. So Jerusalem being your hometown, where you're at right now, Judea being maybe it's another town over, maybe it's another state over, then Samaria, the people that you normally wouldn't associate with, and and then the ends of the earth. So I, I, I truly believe that this ministry of making disciples and planting churches and raising up leaders has to start at home. Start where you're at. And follow the Lord there. We see a lot in Paul's ministry that 
he's directed by the Holy Spirit, but he's always in the midst of obedience when he's being directed. Mm. He's trying to share the gospel when the Holy Spirit shuts his mouth. Mm. Start by being obedient here. It's interesting that we've almost come full circle, right? We started talking, started out talking about what you're doing in Charlotte. We've talked about what you're planning to do. And now in terms of preparation, we're coming back to that, that work at Charlotte. And I'm, I'm just wondering, you've mentioned how you're working with discipleship. You're working with groups of people. Are, are you doing anything specifically in the Charlotte area to prepare you for some of the cultural things that you'll be working, you know, some of the cultural differences, some of the language things that you'll be working with as you get to Costa Rica? Yeah, we're working on our Spanish. <laughs> and it's hard. <laughs> uh, we're working on our Spanish, but we're also really blessed with some laborers here. One of our good friends here, his name's Tony, and his wife, Marley. Tony's from Nicaragua, uh. and his wife, Marley, is from Costa Rica. And so we've been, they've been helping us with our Spanish, and we've been trying to minister specifically to the Hispanic community here in Charlotte, which has been incredibly encouraging. Yeah, even even at church, just the other night, we're going through the stories so that, you know, we can repeat them back to each other. So that, that way we can, you know, use it for encouragement throughout the week if we come across somebody who needs to, to know that story. So we're talking about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and we pair up and Tony and his wife pair up with us. And we're actually trying to repeat the story back to them in Spanish. Hmm. So it's those little bits of encouragement that really, <laughs> I feel like, sharing our hearts for Costa Rica. So the story, did they give it to you in English and you repeat it back in Spanish? Or how, how's that working? So they actually told the story to us in Spanish first. Okay. And as they're doing that, I'm looking through my, my Bible to try to match up words, you know, in English. Hmm. And so and then after that... We tried repeating it back to them, and then they would help us work through the kinks of it. So that's that's really neat. I, I appreciate you. You know, that's that's something I hadn't really thought about, but I appreciate how God has put you together in this group of people where you're able to get this kind of support. What other ways have you seen God move providentially to put you together with people that can help you continue to develop and move you specifically toward the calling that you're moving toward right now? Yeah. Tony and Marley have been great in not only helping us learn Spanish, but also they have a lot of connections where we're moving. Mm. Marley's hometown was, I believe, only about an hour away from where we'll be landing in Costa Rica. And so they've already put us in contact with a number of people there. But also just throughout the network has been really encouraging in us pursuing this calling to Central America. We've been able to piggyback on some of the groundwork that's already been laid by other believers and people in the No Place Left network that have done work in Central America and have contacts, whether that was a short-term trip or some missionaries that used to live in Central America that have come back. Just really having them invest in us and helping us prepare and making the connections with believers that are already on the ground that we can encourage and work with as soon as we land. So we've talked a little bit about the No Place Left Network, and you mentioned, I think, the website. Are there any other resources or a book that you recommend for our listeners? Yeah, there's there's a few books that are really great that are really 
really encouraging. One of the books that's foundational for a lot of what we're doing is a book called T for T. Hmm. And it really talks about discipleship in church and it's hard to put it in a few words, but it's it's really encouraging. It's a it's a great read if you're just getting interested in this. Also, another foundational piece that's available for free online is the Four Fields Manual. It, it, it's pretty technical, but it's truly about the process of entering into a new field sharing the gospel, sowing the seed broadly, Mm. raising up disciples, planting churches, and then from these churches, drawing leaders that are going to go into these new fields. So those are probably the two resources that I would recommend the most. But on a more practical, uh, immediate level, if you're not ready to buy a book and dive into it, (laughs) it's just really reading through Jesus's ministry. But from the lens of what did he actually do? And then looking at Paul's three missionary journeys and see what did he do? What was his gospel message? What kind of discipleship was going on? Where do we see the church forming? I myself spent a lot of time listening to the things Jesus said, the commands, and I was really good at following the rules, but not as good as at following the steps Hmm. of Jesus. And so really shifting the lens that we read scripture and saying, what did Jesus do? What, what did Paul do? What, what's the pattern we see through scripture? How did they reach all these people? So that, that would be, that would be my encouragement. Cool. Well, we will make sure that we have all of those linked up for you in the show notes as well. I guess I can't link up to the, uh, (laughs) the, the stories in, in, in the gospels, but you can find those in the Bible. Now, Cole and Kristen, one last question for you. How can we best pray for you? Yeah, so right now we are in a transition time of trying to get to Central America to continue the work that's going on there. So we are in a time of fundraising, and we need to raise $71,000 to be able to gain residency in Costa Rica. Hmm. We have to be able to take that down with us to gain residency. So that, that that's one of our goals and kind of the not so fun part of this ministry right now is raising the financial support. So prayer for that prayer that the finances will come together. Hmm. Also just prayer for us in everyday life. We are only five months into marriage and we're learning and we're growing and So prayer and encouragement in that. But the biggest thing is just prayer for the people in Central America that the Lord will prepare their hearts. All right. Well, I would like to encourage you, if you're listening to this, to just take a minute and pause the recording and take take that minute to pray for Cole and Kristen and and pray for the, the things that they've laid out before us because our prayers are powerful. They do matter. And so I'd I'd encourage you to do that and to step into what God's doing in their lives by supporting them in that. Cole and Kristen, I want to say one last time, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time that we've had together. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. 
I'd like to take a minute to share with you an update from Donna King. She was one of the early guests on the show back in episode 37. (laughs) That's been a while. And while she was with us, we talked about what God had done in the ministry in Banos, Ecuador. I'm going to take a minute to tell you about this opportunity, and then I'm going to share with you some thoughts from a chess tournament. But I think this is something really valuable. A couple of weeks ago, Donna reached out to me and shared with me a project that she and her husband, Wesley, are working on. Now, they're still in Ecuador. They're still ministering in Banos, Ecuador, to young boys and young girls. They're still doing what God has for them. But they're also working with a publisher in the U.S. to take the books that Wesley has written about what they've seen God do in the jungle, how they've seen him reach out to little boys and little girls who have been abused, who have had really difficult lives, whose parents have died, all all kinds of things, and how God has shown them how much he loves them. They're taking that and they're making it into a movie, and they're believing that God will use this to reach out to people and show them how much he loves them. There's more information out on Indiegogo, which is a way that they're raising funds to help build this and a way that you could partner with them. There's a link in the show notes. So if you're listening on your favorite podcast app, just tap that show art and click through. If you're listening on the website, it's right there on the website. Just take a minute to check that out. They've got a lot more information that I'm able to share right here about what they're hoping to do and what they're believing God for and how you can partner with them. I'd I'd really encourage you to take a minute to do that. I really love what Donna shared back when she was with us in episode 37, and I really believe that God is is doing something, and here's an opportunity for you to be involved in that. And now I have for you thoughts from a chess tournament. A couple of weeks ago, I shared a little bit about this. It was probably a little over a month ago now. I was involved in helping record some interviews at a chess, chess tournament. Now, full disclosure, I am horribly bad at chess. I could lose to a three-year-old who doesn't know how to play chess. But I had the opportunity to do some recordings. And while I was there, I really feel like God showed me something through my time there. If you'd like a little bit more about what went into the recording, go back to episode 232. I've got a little bit more background. I don't want to take a lot of time for that today. But there are a couple things that I saw that really apply to me as a podcaster and as a person who cares about missions. And I suspect that they may also apply to you as you're discipling people, as you're sharing the gospel, as you're growing as well. So I thought I'd share them with you, give you the opportunity to perhaps take them in and receive something from God, or perhaps listen to them and realize that maybe there's something that you could share with me so I can continue to grow, because I really believe that we're all in this together. So there's really two things that I picked up as as the host of that show was talking to a chess coach, as well as somebody else. So there were a couple of different interviews that kind of highlighted this. One of them was the idea that based on where you are in your process, based on what you know, You do different things to grow. So if you're learning the beginning of the game, you have to learn how all the pieces move. And as you learn and grow a little bit more, you learn more advanced strategies. And as you continue to learn and grow, you you pick up other things. The, The resources that are appropriate for a master are not the resources that are appropriate for a beginner. And I suspect that you know that as well. And I know that as a podcaster, there are certainly things that I would share with somebody who's more advanced that are different from something that I might share from an absolute beginner. And you can see this kind of thing in various walks of life. You might see somebody who wants to learn something. So rather than looking for beginner materials, they look for the best thing that the experts recommend to each other to learn and grow. And I suspect that sometimes we can do that in other areas as well. And my encouragement would be, as you look at your own discipleship, as you look at how God is working in you, 
make sure that you stay appropriate. I know that it's, it's a challenge for me. Some, I remember years ago, I wanted to sit down and read something by Thomas Merton and something by Andrew Murray. And those are great pieces, but they weren't appropriate for where I was. They, they just weren't. And there was a little bit of pride in me that wanted me to just kind of skip ahead and jump to the things that I thought were a level up or a couple levels up. Truthfully, I'm not sure that I fully get Andrew Murray as it is, but I'll just kind of share that share that with you. The same thing kind of happened with The Spirit of the Disciplines. I got about halfway through the book and realized that I could pick up a few things, but I couldn't go any further because I couldn't apply where I was. The other thing that kind of stood out to me, and it's related, is the idea of focusing on the game, focusing on learning the game, not focusing on results. And I know for me, as a disciple, as a podcaster, it is so easy to start focusing on results, to start focusing on how many people came to Christ or focusing on how many people listened to that last episode or focusing on how many names I have in my Rolodex. I don't actually use the Rolodex, but I think you know what I mean as far as gaining a network of contacts. But the reality is those are the wrong things to focus on. What I need to be focused on is loving people and trying to find the very best stories of what God's done in their life and trying to make meaningful connections. And when I focus on those things, when I focus on learning techniques and focus on continuing to improve, the other things naturally follow or they don't. But those results are in God's hand as long as I'm being faithful to what God's called me to do. And I don't know about you, but I suspect that if I was in a role of a a church planter or a a discipler that does that kind of thing vocationally, perhaps an overseas missionary, it would be really hard to not focus on those results instead of focusing on learning the game, so to speak. That would be my encouragement to you is, you know, those, those results, those are in God's hands. But what he's looking for out of us is faithful obedience and And as you're continuing to grow, my encouragement to you, you know, for what it's worth, is make sure that for yourself and for those around you, that you're focusing on things that are appropriate. I know for me, it's a struggle as a podcaster. It's something I'm going to try and do better. And I hope that it's something that's valuable for you as well. Well, I know it's hard to believe it, but that actually gets us to the end. I'd like to say thank you to Cole and Kristen Malfurst for taking the time to do this, to Donna for sending in some information, to... Gabby and Jeff for the work that they do to make this show possible, and also to you for joining us. Show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash Malfrus. That's M-A-L-P-H-R-U-S, engagingmissions.com slash Malfrus. That's where you're going to find links to the resources we talked about, ways to connect to our guests, as well as ways to comment, to share, to engage. I, I think that's the place to go. If you're listening on a podcast app, you can just click right through, tap that show art, click the title, and go straight to those show notes. Find all those resources. If you're listening on the internet, on the webpage, it is absolutely right there. If you're listening somewhere else, engagingmissions.com slash Malfres. Next week, we're going to be talking about finding balance, about being transparent and how that's helped discipleship. And believe me, there's more that we're going to touch on next week. The best way to make sure you don't miss that is to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. Choose your favorite podcast app, whether it's 
Apple Podcasts or Google Play Podcasts or Stitcher or TuneIn or any number of other places. If you're on an Android device, there's a place right there. You, it'll take you to about 25 different apps you can choose from. All of that is at engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. And if you have a story of how you've been equipped or challenged or inspired through the Engaging Missions show, through something that one of our guests has shared, through a connection that you've made right there, I'd love to hear from you. Send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. One more time, thanks so much for being here. I really look forward to connecting with you in our next episode.